influencers. Let's get bouge. Listen to A. Thompson for an hour. I'd rather fuck a blood relative. It's A. Thompson. Da, 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 da. Ladies and gents, welcome to episode 183 of Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments. Your twice, sometimes thrice weekly delve, I can't talk tonight, uh, into the worlds of politics, news, dystopia, and all things awful. Think of me as your Willy Wonka type character, pointing out the awful things in the world, pandemics over here, awfulness over there, Brexit over in this bit, you know, I'm just gallivanting around you know singing about it hysterical but not in the sort of you know humor comedic sense i'm literally i've i've gone insane from the awfulness out there anyway if that sounds like your vibe pull up a pew grab yourself a beer let's try to make sense of the senseless together once more um plenty going on in the news at the moment isn't there um prince harry rocked up to court today um that's the top story on Sky News. Even even though he's not in the royal family really anymore, he still annoys me that he grabs this much or that a royal family member or ex-royal family or just royal fucking gossip. It just winds me up that they still command that sort of press coverage, you know? And yes, I know to some extent there's this sort of irony. There's a thick layer of fucking irony. They are ripe for having the piss taken out of them for this whole, you know, we just want privacy. We don't. I mean, have they ever actually said that? Have they ever said we want privacy? I don't know if they have. I think all they've said is they <laughs> they don't want to be in the royal family anymore because of press intrusion. But I don't think they've ever said we want to be left completely alone. I don't think they've ever said completely just cut the cord, guys. We don't want anyone to care about us. Clearly, they want people to care about them. Do you know why? Because it's more interesting, exciting and lucrative to swan around the world promoting your book and talk about how tormented you've been in your own family and be ushered into the VIP sections and never have to pay for a thing in your life. It's, it's, that's quite a nice lifestyle versus working in Tesco or getting a job as a junior PR consultant or a sort of... Look, I, I'm sounding like I'm ripping into it. I quite like Prince Harry. I quite like Meghan. I think they've had a rough ride. But also it winds me up that when one of them turns up at a court, then everyone's like, all right, okay, clear clear the front page headlines. Yeah, I no, I don't care if three kids were killed in a car crash and their families are heartbroken and you know, all about their futures and, you know, what a tragic waste. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's a sad story. It is. But guys, fucking park it because Prince Harry just rocked up to court. This is big news. This is it's not even an exclusive. They can't even say that it's an exclusive. Because every fucking paper will be covering it. And yet I'm positive, lads. I'm positive. If you really went digging out there i mean you're supposed to be fucking journalists if you really <laughs> followed a tip you know imagine the tips imagine the stories that are being just flushed down the toilet or put into the filing cabinet 
not followed up on. The text message slowly moves further and further down the WhatsApp chats. And they sort of forget about it. The head of some FTSE 100 company caught up in a brothel, a child sex and drug addict. That could have been on the front page tomorrow. But no, clearly this is big news, guys. Um, anyway, it says Prince Harry witness statement. The Duke blames tabloids for inciting hatred and casting him as a thicko and a playboy. I mean, I have some sympathy. I really do. And I think he, you know, I've said I quite like Prince Harry. I do. I think he speaks a lot of truth. I think when he's talking about this sort of stuff, you know, when he says the Duke blames tabloids for inciting hatred. Well, obviously they incite hatred. That is self-evident. I don't see how anybody can even argue with that. But because he's blaming the tabloids, the tabloids will now go after him. Like, it's so, they're so sort of deliciously stupid, the British press, aren't they? It's like he can say something a bit cunty about tabloids here. And you can guarantee they will go in on him even more than they already have. They'll be like, oh, oh, I suppose we, we incite hatred, do we? Oh, well, that's funny because you're the guy. There'll be fucking 12 pages of coverage tomorrow. About like there'll be absolutely no substance to any of it. There'll be no new scoops, stories, exposés, or even quotes. But you can guarantee that you'll have your Jan Moyer and your Richard Littlejohn and your Carol Malone and your Toby Young, every fucking right wing grifter under the sun. Almost literally, in fact, this week with the weather as it is, it's been fucking beautiful, isn't it? But every right-wing grifter under the sun will find a way to construct some sort of damning, you know, all gather together, guys. Let's defend our industry. Let's defend our horrible, nefarious newspapers because a prince or former prince, I don't even know what the fuck he is now, has said something mean about us. Like, wouldn't it just be so much? It'd be refreshing if Fleet Street just went, yeah, oh, what, what did he say? Ah, yeah, whatever. You know, if they just shrugged it off. If they just, like, if it was water off a duck's back. But they're so psychopathically defensive, aren't they? Like, if I ever, I don't know how big this podcast will ever get. I don't know. It's doing okay. I'm quite happy with where it is at the moment. But if it did sort of gather steam. If it did build a, you know, a really solid following, and by that I mean, you know, what, 100,000 people listening to it? 50,000 people? Maybe, you know, sold out shows at the Forum in Kentish Town would be pretty cool. There were sort of sponsors. If there was, you know, if it, if it was a really great thing I had going on, and then I came out and just said, oh, I fucking hate the sun. What a bunch of cunts. Harry Cole... Oh, my God. What a fat, useless, entitled Tory prick. If I just came out with something like that on late night TV, if, if I was guesting on Channel 4 or if I was so high profile in criticism of the sun, I could guarantee they would clap back in a very, very mean spirited way. It's so predictable, isn't it? It's like, whereas if you think about other industries like... You know, even TV production, which isn't that far away from newspapers. But if you think of like, you know, FTSE 250 companies or 
you know, fashion icons or, you know, you pick the industry. If you say something a bit attacky about the other person or about the other company or nobody goes so ridiculously defensive. Like, they're like newspapers in the UK, when they're attacked, when somebody goes on the record and says, I think the British press are disgusting and they need press over, they see that as so threatening, so sort of critical. And when I say that they're psychopathic, that is actually what I mean. I mean, like, it cuts right into their self, into their core, to the extent that you expect the sort of reaction that you would expect from a um, drunk 15-year-old girl. Do you know what I mean? Like, teenage, emotionally immature sensibilities where they cannot address what they're being accused of and so they flip mode into like fifth gear anger and defensiveness. You know, it really is like that sort of age bracket. 15 year old boys and girls where you go. Yeah, um, Shelley said that you called me a cunt. Oh, I didn't fucking say that. Shelley's a bitch. Shelley's a, like, do you know what I mean? It's that sort of light speed defensive anger. That we've come to expect and can be guaranteed we will see once again. Should we? I don't want to spend the whole fucking thing talking about Prince Harry and Meghan, for fuck's sake. Um, I did see some coverage though earlier, like where uh, a journalist doorsteps Piers Morgan. I don't know if you guys saw it. Doorsteps Piers Morgan and says, um, uh, he says, oh, uh, Prince Harry has said this about you. I can't even remember what the fuck it was he said now, but he says, Prince Harry has uh, accused you of being, you know, X or Y or and uh, Piers Morgan said, oh, I haven't seen it. Right. Now, weirdly, that is the reaction I would like to see from the newspapers. Like, oh, he said what? Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't see it. Like Dapper laughs for all his faults. When he when he told me a few months ago that when he was being approached by journalists who were sort of, you know, trying to attack him, trying to get him to say a quote that they could then misrepresent when they were really going in on him. Whenever anyone would come up to him at a red carpet event or try to catch him out and go like, Mr. O'Reilly, Mr. O'Reilly, oh, oh, what, they, they're saying that you said this. Oh, what do you think about that? He would just, that was his stock reaction. He'd be like, oh, I, I don't know who you're talking about. You know, I, no, I haven't seen it. You know, this sort of shrug. And there's something about that. Like, I think, you know, Daniel O'Reilly's put a few feet or steps wrong in his time. I'm sure he'd be the first to admit that. He has done but I think there's something in that. There's something nice about when somebody just goes, because it's so like under the hood, stealth cunty. <laughs> you know, it's like if you say, oh, uh, Tom called you a cunt. If you can go, who the fuck's Tom? I don't care. You know, it's like there's a there's a prestige to that. It's like, I don't even know who the fuck you're talking about. He's not even on my radar. So why the fuck would I give a shit what? Tom thinks, you know, and I think there's something in that, like with Piers Morgan, like again, Piers Morgan for all his faults, the guy's a fucking idiot. We hate Piers Morgan, obviously. More so now that we're hearing these rumours that are coming out in the court case, which I don't know, man, it sounds like he's in, you know, knee deep in some shit um, that he may have <laughs> allegedly, maybe reportedly, it has been suggested that he may have presided over a culture of phone hacking. Um, 
I'm sure he would deny those allegations profusely. He has done, in fact. And that's what makes this so fucking juicy. Now, there's nothing better than when somebody denies something and denies something and they, you know, it becomes their catchphrase. It becomes this sort of, you know, people have accused him of being in on phone hacking. When we were at the height of the tabloid frenzy of it, you know, the sun hacked Millie Dowler's phone or was it the news of the world? I don't know. Same fucking thing. They, you know, a Murdoch paper hacked a dead teenager girl's phone and her parents thought she was checking her messages so they thought she was still alive and that's disgusting and it was a tabloid horrible thing that happened i wonder if it happened at the mirror did it pierce uh no 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 definitely not are you sure yeah yeah but i mean it was industrially common everybody's saying that tabloid journalists from here to here did it probably someone at the guardian at some point, if we're really being honest about it, we love to give The Guardian a free ride. I know. I like The Guardian. You like The Guardian. I love The Mirror, too. The Mirror's done some amazing stuff. Pippa Crira's expose of the Partygate shit. Incredible. But are we really supposed to believe that journalists, some of whom would have previously worked at these places, at the you know, people don't just finish university and get their degree for journalism. Oh, I got a 2-1 in journalism, guys. Cool. Where are you going to go work? Just the sun. Really? You you just studied journalism for three years and you've written for this shitty blog and that fanzine and you've interned over here. And, but you've got your heart set on the sun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It has to be the sun. All right. OK. And then they go and work at the sun and it's only the sun forever. Do you think the sun and the times... And the star. Do you think these places are the only places left in the UK that still have job security? Like everywhere else in the whole of the UK, across all job sectors, on average, people stay in one job for about like 18 months, two years, maybe two and a half years at a push. So are we really supposed to believe that nobody started work at the Times saw this stuff going on they were up against other journalists everyone going for a scoop trying to get as much information trying to get as much intel sexy salacious stories any way that they can to get their name below a headline in the sunday paper anything they could oh well i saw this one guy over there when i was at the sun and he dialed in the four digit like default code to get access to the voicemails and i mean I know I'm at the Guardian now. I know I'm at the Mirror now. But could I? Like, I can guarantee you that has happened. <laughs> so I don't know. It always felt like a bit of a stretch to me that Piers Morgan would not have known about that sort of behaviour going on, you know? But I do, I quite like the thing, like, where they doorstepped him. They're like, oh, so have you heard this thing about Prince Harry? And he's like, um... He's like, no, 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 I, I haven't seen it. <laughs> and then he made some like, you know, the little cunty thing about kind of what I said at the beginning. Like, you know, if they want privacy, then oh, I think Piers Morgan said, oh, I look forward to reading about his desire for privacy in his next big book tour or something like that. Um, I do think it's interesting, though, that whenever Piers Morgan, whenever somebody broaches the subject of phone hacking or this trial, or some of the things that are coming out in this 
is it a trial or a civil case? Civil case, I think. That he never actually addresses the allegations or the suggestions that have been made. He always pivots to another attack on Harry and Meghan. It's always like, you know, they're publicity hungry or they, you know, it's it, he never engages on the substance. And I don't think that's a great look. If I was Piers Morgan's wife, I would be setting my expectations low on expensive holidays the next few years. I would be considering maybe looking at storage companies. I would be maybe, you know, running over to the Carlton Club to see if there's any rich eligible bachelors. I, I'm not saying she should definitely leave him. It's always sad when families split up. I'm just saying if finance is part of their arrangement, if, not saying it definitely is, but if it were, if she kind of likes the idea of swanning about London at top restaurants and, you know, staying at nice places in Miami and flying across the world to Sydney. for If she likes a certain lifestyle, I'm just saying, <laughs> I don't want to prejudice any trials or anything. I'm just saying, just, you know, always expect the worst. And then if it, <laughs> if it, if it doesn't turn out quite so bad, then you've, you know, you've won. Sort of like a, a bonus, in a way. Um, what else is in the news, guys? Um, the war in Ukraine is still, you know, ongoing. Um, what else is happening? There's so much going on at the moment. And I can't pick an actual thing. I saw Prince... Uh, prince? <laughs> it's not a prince. Uh, I saw President Biden fell over the other day. And this was a massive story. On American news. Like how fucking depressing is that? You got this old guy. Who may or may not be. Battling sort of early onset dementia. <laughs> Some people have suggested it. He does. He has appeared kind of forgetful. At times. I know that you know. Last time I checked. Tripping over wasn't a symptom of dementia. Necessarily. I've tripped over before. Does that make me demented? Probably. But. There are signs that maybe he should kind of bow out. But the Democratic Party are like, you know, in their great wisdom, they're like, nah, nah, this is the guy, man. This is it. equaled only. Their stupidity is equaled only by the Republican Party going, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should put the fucking guy who's facing 14 lawsuits up as our Republican candidate. This makes perfect sense. And people wonder why we lose faith in politics. You've got the Democratic Party and you've got the Republican Party. It's a two-horse race. And both of these parties are like, which is the worst sack of shit we could give the nomination to? Like, are there no other candidates out there? Really? None? Like, who was rejected? <laughs> who did they throw in the bin? Who did, whose name did they read off the shortlist where they were like, yeah, yeah. Not him. <laughs> how bad, how shit does your self-esteem have to get and have to feel if you get rejected in favour of someone as beige and uninteresting and devoid of vision as Ron DeSantis, who isn't even likely to get the nomination? Ron DeSantis isn't even 
the guy who's facing 14 lawsuits and just got sued successfully for rape. That Ron DeSantis isn't even him, and he's pretty bad. So who was on the shortlist? <laughs> what do you have to be to get rejected before Ron DeSantis? What does that do to your self-worth? That must be like, you know, auditioning for a boy band and you get tossed out just before Howard from Take That, you know? Like, I mean, I, I, I thought I was better than that guy. <laughs> oh, no, no, you are. You are, Timmy. You are. You're just not right for this band. But, I mean, I can... I can sing, I can dance in time. Yeah, I know, I know. But he, it's just next time, next time, guys. Um, and over here, it's, you know, it's not much better, is it? Over here, we've got Keir Starmer, leader of the Labour Party. Obviously, he gets a lot of praise. I think he's done some good things. I think he's, I think he's tidied up the Labour Party and he's got it looking very professional. And it has appealed to floating voters. He's not so much of a scary turbo socialist turnoff to a lot of the, you know, centre-right, centristy, lefty types. He successfully transitioned the Labour Party from a socialist, left-leaning party to basically <laughs> being a sort of Camer... I was going to say Cameroonian. Cameronian, you know, Osbornean Labour Party. And I know that will probably ruffle a few feathers with some of my sort of, you know, centre-left friends who really don't like me pointing out sometimes that, you know, Starmer's Labour Party are actually reasonably conservative. He even fucking said it about two or three weeks ago in an interview. He was like, we are the real conservatives. It's like, mate, if you're trying to dispel rumours that you're a fucking Tory light, a Tory in a red tie, if you're trying to solve that problem, you need to pick another method, son going on fucking TV like, we're the real conservatives. Nuh-uh! Fucking cut! <laughs> you need to talk to your comms chief, your spin doctor, and come up with a new line. Because that one was a bad one. I don't even work in PR or comms or anything. And I could tell you, on day one, I'd be like, so you're leading, leading the Labour Party, are you? See, I told you I can't talk tonight. So you're leading the Labour Party, are you, Keir? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, well, probably the first thing to not do, if you don't want to, you know, ostracize yourself from certain lefty circles, first thing you want to do, if, if you want to kind of take a step back from these accusations that you've abandoned all of your socialist pledges, the first thing you want to do, if you want to start winning those people back over, much less just retaining a few who are still thinking about fucking you off, first thing you should do is not go on TV and say you're a conservative. Could you do that? Yeah, um, I'll, um, I'll, I'll look into it. And for God's sake, try and be more interesting. Just intonate. Just try and speak a little bit more interestingly, you know? There's more than one tone. Like you fucking learnt to speak from Jennifer Lopez singing tapes or some shit. Anyway, let's keep scanning down. I'm having fun just kind of going through the headlines these days. Obviously, the COVID inquiry is a big story. 
at the moment. There's been so much back and forth on this. For the benefit of those who are, you know, not so au fait with the inquiry, last week was a total fucking abortion. <laughs> Just such a governmental, conserv perfectly conservative party. Like, so here, here you've got Sunak sitting in number 10. And Sunak's government are like, yep, we're going to go forward with the COVID inquiry and we're going to appoint Baroness Hallett. So in comes Baroness Hallett, managing the COVID inquiry, independent, a KC. OK, good. Now, we've got Boris Johnson, <laughs> who was prime minister at the time, handing over all of his WhatsApps. And there's a little bit of back and forth between Johnson and the cabinet office. There's a little bit of discussion about why have you got only messages from March 2021? Well, like, that's half the fucking pandemic gone, missing. Where the fuck's that? Oh, well, I, um, uh, I, uh, I had to uh, switch off my phone. Right, okay. Can you turn it on again? Well, I know I've been told by these um, special super secret uh, spooks, these, uh, these, these uh, IT security people, not to turn it back on again. Well, why is that? I th think the... Uh, the world might end. Oh, fuck off. Just turn it on, you horny albino yeti. Um, so, yeah, so Johnson was saying, I can't turn it on. I've been told by these IT security guys that it's been, you know, my phone number had been accessed. And it's kind of funny because on Twitter, there was like legit IT consultants going, I've literally never heard of this. <laughs> I've never I've worked in IT security for like 25 years. I've never heard that a compromised phone should not be turned on again. Like, <laughs> they're expecting it to morph into like a Russian spy or something. Oh, yeah, if you turn it, if you hold down the power button too much, it turns into like Oletsky. You're going to whip out a fucking MiG-20. Oh, I don't fucking know. I'm too tired for this shit, guys. But you get the idea. It's ridiculous. Can't turn your phone on. You've got a new phone, haven't you? Yes. Right, well, why the fuck do you care if we turn this one on? Like, <laughs> So, bit of back and forth between Johnson and the Cabinet Office. And then the Hallett, Baroness Hallett, says, OK, I need you to submit all of these messages, all of the documents. And then the Cabinet Office, which is essentially Sunak, remember, the Cabinet Office say, right, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think we've got everything. Baroness Hallett is like, well, you do? Because Johnson said that you... Then they're like, ah, right, yeah, yeah. But we're probably not going to give you everything. Is that okay? Because I don't think much of it is relevant. So we'll, we'll just give you the relevant... Then she gets, like, proper... Oh, I was about to use a word, a wrong word there. <laughs> she gets somewhat um, heated about this exchange. She's like, I will decide what is relevant and what is irrelevant. So just give me everything. Then they say, okay... Right, so we told you that we didn't have them. Now we're saying that we do have them, but we will give you what's relevant. Now you're demanding to have everything. So we're now we're going to tell you, no, actually, we'll just give you a redacted version. <laughs> and then she's like, uh, no, fucking give me everything. And then they go, well, we're not giving you anything and we will take you to fucking court. We will sue you rather than have to give you this information, which means that there's something really delicious in there. They really don't want these whatsapps to be seen and there's a lot of commentators saying that this is going to be the thing that brings sunak down because if sunak 
wants this badly to withhold this information and to make himself look crooked, essentially. Remember, this is the guy that stood outside number 10 and said he was going to offer the most transparent and trustworthy government ever. And he said, trust is earned and I will earn yours. That was his words. And now he's like, I don't want to show you these WhatsApps. <laughs> so for him to put this on the line like that and to threaten to sue Baroness Hallett or that investigation rather than show or divulge what is inside these messages suggests to me it's really fucking bad. And like I was saying to um, uh, to Alex the other night on the guested show on Friday night. Even if you just park that part of it aside, the fact that Boris Johnson... Oh, yeah, this was a twist. The fact that Boris Johnson went around the Cabinet Office to hand over his own messages so that the Cabinet Office couldn't redact or remove or silence or sue, that tells you everything that you need to know, is that Johnson knows that there's something in here that is going to really horsefuck Sunak. So those two things together... There's a lot of commentators saying this is going to be the thing that brings down Sunak. And I'm here for it, guys. I am. You know, bit of political chaos. Bit of fuckery. It does, like, it does make your bollocks tingle, doesn't it? <laughs> like, maybe it's a sign of how deeply emotionally unhealthy I am. But when I see stories like this bubbling up, when it's this fucking politically chaotic and embarrassing and ridiculous, it kind of floats my boat, you know? Because I think if I had to psychoanalyze myself, I think what it is is, look, we've all lived through such a tumultuous, horrible time politically. And I think we stare at the news in disbelief at how they can get away with this shit so flagrantly you know it's so obvious what they're doing they're not even you know people say oh they're fucking you know tory masterminds machiavellian master they're not even that clever <laughs> they don't have to be they just go they go and tap their mate on the shoulder they say oh yeah you've got a stationary company haven't you oh you've got a ppe company yeah yeah that's right i do does any of your ppe work no, none of it. Oh, well, don't worry about it. Here you go. Have a 50 million pound contract anyway. Like, it's so obvious how hooky they are. And we stare at these news stories and we're like, this is fucking ridiculous. And we're so powerless. We're completely impotent at affecting change. And so then when something like this bubbles up, it doesn't matter to me that it's one Tory bringing down another Tory to probably, you know, try to propel himself back into the leadership and that we should all be worried about that happening. It's it's just enough to see that the secrets from behind the smiles, that the nefarious activity behind the PR campaigns is actually going to be exposed. Because one way or another, these messages are going to come out. And I think it's extra delicious when it's someone like Sunak. Like, if it's a Boris Johnson, you kind of know he's a cunt. It's basically what he was voted in for. Ask people why they voted for Boris Johnson a few years ago. They'll be like, well, you know, he's a, he's a bit of a lovable rogue, isn't he? Oh, he's a bit of a lad. Oh, what a character. And when people say that sort of shit, it's usually, you know, subtext for he's a bit of a cunt. <laughs> I 
Who's coming down the pub later? Is it your friend Jamie? Have I met him before? No, 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 I don't think so. But <laughs> you'll love Jamie. Oh, he's a he's a bit of a character. That means he's a cunt, guys. Okay. So. Anyway, it's extra sweet when it's someone like Sunak. Because Johnson, you know he's a cunt. Johnson is disheveled, ruffled hair, a suit that is ill-fitting. His tie is always a bit screwed. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Everyone's like so... Di- Maybe that's the thing with his hair. Like, he ruffles it up to distract you away from how poorly dressed he is for a man of his finances and comfort. You would expect him to have a good-fitting tie and an okay suit, but no! I don't know who his stylist is. But they must be the toast of the Christmas party in Vogue headquarters every fucking year. <laughs> like, like, imagine if you were a stylist to the stars or to politicians. And, and then, you know, just for a goof, you picked somebody who you would make look like a tit. You know, just so at the Christmas party, you can show the news footage of how you dressed. Ah, yeah, look, look what I made this bitch wear to the BAFTAs. Like, you know, except that's Boris Johnson's stylist. And it's it. It's like, yeah, I've been dressing Boris Johnson and doing his hair and picking out his suits and ties and stuff for like 17 years. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I've got a video with me again. Yeah, put it, oh, put it in the DVD player. Yeah, there you go. Look what I made him wear to Prime Minister's questions. Look at him. Did you say Prime Minister's questions? No, look, look, he's meeting the Queen. I know! That was after, like, PMQs and meeting the Queen that day, and look what he's wearing. A fucking purple and pink clown suit, and his hair looks like he's just fucking walked through a bush backwards or some shit. I don't know. Look, He he does look like that, though, doesn't he? I'm not losing my mind here. He looks like a stylist's Christmas party joke. Um... But Sunak, just trying to stay on point here. Sunak's not like that. Sunak's a bit more polished. You know, he's in a great suit. A well-fitted tie. His hair looks good. He smiles. I mean, we should acknowledge the fact that he did wear absolutely atrocious boots today i know that we should be talking about the substance of policy and mortgages and investment bonds and how shit everything is and brexit and sewage and awards i know we should be engaging on the substance on this podcast dear listeners but just give me a break i never stop going on about that stuff can we just riff a bit on sunak's boots have you seen these boots have you they look like something out of a 70s western they look like his, his actual TM Lewin shoes that he should have been wearing. He was just about to go on. He was like, yeah, did you bring my, my shoes? Um, no, no, I didn't, babe. Oh, you fucking shit. Yeah, I know. I, th- I thought you were bringing them. Well, uh, have you got any shoes? Is there, has anybody got any shoes? And the only guy there to borrow shoes off is this guy, Hank. He's fucking <laughs> over on a dignitary trip or something from Texas. Yeah, you can borrow my boots if you like. But even Hank fucking hates him. Hank actually has a proper pair of shoes in his bag, ready to go out to dinner in later. But Hank is like, no, I'm going to fuck this motherfucker. It'd be really funny. This this will make a great story for back home. I, yeah, so I, then I lent the... Uh, then I loaned the British Prime Minister my cowboy boots. And look, I've got it on it. That'll be his Christmas party. Anyway, Sunak's boots. 
today. I'm not fucking around, man. Like, he, he gave a speech. He looked like he was about to go line dancing. Are we, are we dealing with policy here? Are we talking about stopping the boats? Are we talking about... <laughs> not that I want to stop the boats, but I assume that was what he was being, you know, wielding. He hasn't fixed anything else, has he? Everything's still in free fall. Everything's fucked. Nobody can get a house. Teachers are still hemorrhaging from the education sector. I don't think there's anything else to talk about from his perspective. Are you out here to talk policy, Prime Minister? Or are you going line dancing? A little bit of Cotton Eye Joe before 10am, maybe. It would be weird if the same stylist that fucks over Boris Johnson for his Christmas party or her Christmas party is the same one that loaned Sunak the cowboy boots. I think that might be. If it is, if that's you and you listen to this podcast, please get in touch. <laughs> please DM me. I'd love to get you on. You could we'll hide your face like silhouette sort of crime watch style. We can disguise your voice or I can redub it. I could do an impression of you and then redub it. Although that probably wouldn't mask you very well, would it? But, you know, we could do something. Anyway, so this COVID inquiry is, you know, it's heating up because they're threatening to sue the government. I mean, it's just so batshit, isn't it? The head of the inquiry, whom the government appointed to head the inquiry, is now looking to sue the government to to get access to the messages that the government set up. The, do you see what, how ridiculous this is? I wonder if it will bring down Sunak. And I wonder what happens then. Because you've got people like, you know, intelligence is lee anderson all over twitter you know bragging about you know oh i will not what was it he said today he said i will not stop uh, am I, uh shall i do the northern accent is that problematic oh fuck i'll do it uh he's like i will not stop banging on about stopping the boats i will not stop banging on about like he's proud of it he thinks this is something that needs more airtime <laughs> this is this is a scoop for whichever journalist wants to run at it just in case you're not completely doped up on Prince Harry and Meghan. Here is a scoop ready for the taking, guys. It's called Stop the Boats. It's right there. Hasn't had enough airtime. So says Lee Anderson. So he will not stop banging on about it. And I replied back to him. I was like, yeah, man. Keep going with this. I mean, it obviously seems to be working. It's really resonating with the electorate. You know, I mean, it's not like Rishi Sunak is currently suffering his lowest approval rating. I think it's the lowest approval rating of any Conservative Prime Minister, isn't it? Or am I making that up? I shared a screenshot of the uh, the news story where it was like, you know, his his approval rating is just plundering new depths. So obviously this shit is not working. But yet in the minds in the great minds of the Conservative Party, they really think this is a message that they need to keep on hammering on about, you know? It's not that millennial voters and, you know, well, not just millennials, it's like Gen Z up to about 50-year-olds now. It's not that we are focused on, you know, the housing crisis, the NHS collapsing, People getting made redundant, their jobs getting gobbled up by AI, 
uh, you pick the crisis. I mean, like any any public sector, any service that you're relying on, any any like you know housing, school, health, whatever, all of it is fucked. It's not that we're focusing on that and that we actually want our government to fucking govern. It's just that they haven't been shouting loud enough about the boats. That's what it tells people like Lee Anderson and Ben Bradley and Scott Benton and all these other fucking myriad cunts. Like they're just in their minds. This is actually a problem and they should solve it. And it resonates really well with the electorate in spite of, you know, if you show them the polling, guys, you've collapsed to fucking almost third party status. Labour are in a stonking lead. If you carry on like this, you won't even be the opposition. <laughs> the opposition will become the Lib Dems. And we will actually... It, why am I even complaining? That would be amazing. We would have a sort of centre-left or centre-right, depending on how, you know, Starmerite you're feeling today. You'd have a centre-left party and uh, a Liberal Democrat party kind of able to negotiate like adults which liberal policies they wanted to implement and how. You wouldn't even have a right wing pushing back on this stuff. What's the name of that phrase? Like the, the something window? Where the window, the, the electorate's window moves from like left to right. So the left becomes further left. or the, I can't remember what it is. But that, that window would shift over to the left. And we wouldn't even be having conversations about asylum seekers and doll scroungers anymore, would we? Like, imagine what a fucked up country this will be. <laughs> In the best way. When the headlines of the Express, the Mail, the Sun and the Telegraph all reflect the actual interests of the electorate, and the fact that there's no, you know, right-wing Brexity headbangers at the dispatch box making the case for all of this nut, nut job stuff. Like, imagine what a weird country this will be when the front page of the Express is like, well, how much should we increase universal credit by? You know? I can't wait. Why am I even complaining about these things? I don't know, man. I mean, here's what I hope happens, right, in the next few weeks. I hope that Baroness Hallett, her legal team, go and meet Sunak's legal team, and they thrash out between them. They basically say, look, you, we can take this to court, but you will lose. And that is pretty much cast iron certainty at the moment. So they could pursue it to the courts at the cost of all of us lot, by the way. We'd all be paying, like, literally millions of pounds for a pointless exercise, but it would keep a few lawyers employed, I guess, ahead of being their jobs being swallowed by ChatGPT. So, you know, maybe we should just celebrate that. Um, but it, they would, they, it's possible that they might pursue it to court. But I hope that the lawyers meet amongst themselves and they go, this is fucking ridiculous. Um, and then Sunak is forced to hand over whatever embarrassing material this is. Or where Johnson has circumvented uh, the cabinet office, then these messages come to the light of day. Now, I hope that Sunak, that the embarrassment is such that he is ousted or there is some sort of vote of no confidence, but they can't change prime ministers again from Johnson to Truss, from Truss to Sunak, and then Sunak potentially back to Johnson if he hasn't been kicked out off the back of his inquiry, which is due, due to rule in like the next couple of weeks as well. Everything's got so nutty. 
But here's what I hope happens. Like, they can't switch prime ministers again. So at that point, they begrudgingly say, all right, fuck it. You know, you obviously want a general election. So here you go. And then finally, they're ousted in shame. <laughs> I hope that's what happens. Um, guys, that's it for me tonight. Um, it's been a bit of a sort of freestyly one uh, this evening for me. Normally, I do way more prep. So I hope it's been uh, of some interest uh, and I've been able to convey some sort of insight to you. Um, I'm going to be back on Friday night. I've got a really special guest this week. You're going to love her. Her name is Sean Smith. She's an Australian stand up comedian. Uh, I found her on Twitter a few weeks ago. She was retweeted by Doug Stanhope. Um, she comes from a sort of social care background, but she's also a survivor. Um, and we're going to be talking about stand-up, comedy, um, her plans for the future. So, yeah, I will warn you, here's a disclaimer. It's likely to be somewhat dark, uh, given our shared sense of, uh, senses of humour. Um, so, yeah, if you do, you know, get triggered by um, uh, slightly... Uh, darker subjects then you might want to give that one a miss i will give an, another warning before we start recording uh, but i'm really looking forward to it i think she's fucking hilarious and uh yeah so tune in for that one on friday if if so inclined uh alternately i will be back for another um wednesday solo show next week uh, until then take care of yourselves i'm out this motherfucker yo 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 this episode was powered by my patreon backers over at patreon.com forward slash aid thompson special shout outs to bowman chris david mojo sabian pingu t-rex in a top hat aaron alex and kai that some of these names might not actually be the real names uh jeff peter sarah silent and ailsa and then anthony eddie fat shirley mal rodri stewart and kerry thank you so so much for continuing your support of the podcast. And I'm looking forward to catching up with each of you at the next London meet or the next gig. I don't know. Big doff of the cap to all of you. You give my funny boner funny boner.